0: Before we get started in today's interview, I would just like to let everyone know the exciting announcement that we will be having live election coverage on the 21st of May. Make sure to tune in to Represent On Sin from 3 p.m. onwards on 90.7 FM. You're listening to Represent On Sin. Kids should go to school.
1: That's what we're committed to. <laughs> I said no originally, then I said yes, then I have said no and I'm stuck to it. I didn't need to do this. I've already done a lot of war for the election.
0: The English fought a civil war over over this matter. Don't deal with the nuance of the Canberra bubble. I don't know what to do with it. We have so much money.
1: What we want is more learning in schools and less activism in schools.
0: Be controversial today, but 30 years from now, your children, your grandchildren are gonna be thankful that you stood up for what is right. Represent. 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 You're listening to represent. You're back on represent with George. Joining me today is a very special guest, Robert Humphreys, the Greens candidate for Deakin. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Glad to be with you, George.
0: Great. It's, it's really lovely to have you on. Um, I think we're, we're definitely in the swing of getting a lot more interviews and on Represent you'll see a lot more of those interviews come up. But just to kick us off with the, with the chat today, um, yes. tell us a bit about yourself.
1: Well, I'm 74 years old. Um, I'm, re- I'm a retired United Church minister, although I have to confess I get recycled pretty often and uh, I live with my daughter and her three children in a place in Mitchum in Melbourne. And I've been involved with the Greens for about 20 years because I came to the conclusion in the days of John Howard trying to beat off Pauline Hanson um, that I couldn't vote for a party that is cruel to refugees. So that began my uh, process of being involved with the Greens and I've stood for, I think this is number eight election. I've not won one yet. I don't think I'll be winning it on the 21st of May, but you know, somebody said miracles do happen. I won't tell you who, but you know. Mm. Um, But no, I'm not not expecting to move to Canberra, although my seven year old grandson asked his mother recently, Is Grandpa Rob going to be moving to Canberra soon? He reassured him, (laughs) No, that's not going (laughs) to happen. My reason for joining the Greens, apart from my disgust with John Howard's attitude towards refugees, was I came to realise my religious beliefs coincided with the Greens' principles. And to me, they go hand in hand. And uh, to be honest with you, I couldn't vote for anybody else um, in terms of what's offered in the Australian political scene. I think the two major parties have gone down a path they shouldn't have gone down, and um, that really could be in controlled by big corporations and lots of money. And um, until the Australian people wake wake up to that, then I don't think we have much of the future. Yeah, definitely. Um,
0: I firstly I think it's it's really interesting. Um, I don't mean to I like guess stereotype you or anything, but generally speaking, um, the religious there aren't a lot of um, I guess religious elements of the Greens party in itself. I think a lot of the time they try and kind of distance Um, religion from the Greens. What what kind of has been your take on that specifically?
1: Well, I think probably there are people in the Greens, you I've I've met people who are anti-religious, right? And I can understand why some people are anti-religion, because religion has been used as a weapon um, in a whole range of ways across centuries. And to me, it's a total denial, actually, of what Jesus was all about 2,000 years ago. And to me, um, like I said, to me, the principles of the Greens coincide precisely with caring for one another, caring for the creation, treating other people with respect, sharing generously, not hoarding hold, it and depriving others of what they're rightly entitled to. So it's, I, I find no contradiction whatsoever in my religious beliefs and being part of the Greens. And... I happen to belong to the Uniting Church, which is sometimes called the Green Party of Prayer, <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to the other groups of the Liberal Party of Prayer. <laughs> um, and uh, most of my colleagues, most of them, ones I, certainly ones I frequent with, uh, are either Greens voters or Greens empathizers, because of the same reason. We see the gospel of Jesus coming in a focus without all the God talk um, in groups like the Greens. And wherever you go in the world, I think there's something like 80 different Greens parties, and they're all singing the same song yeah. in different languages. And um, they've been around now, there's nearly 40 years, I suppose. They started in Tasmania with Bob Brown. Uh, so Australia has a first. We have the first Greens organisation, actually. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, but, I guess, sorry to interrupt you, but I guess when no. you look at
0: it from that perspective, yeah, yeah. Um, the, the Greens is kind of that one staple around the entire world, where, whereas you see, you know, similarities of, I guess, centre-left parties and mm-hmm. centre-right parties or right-wing and, you know, ultra-wing yeah. parties. But the Greens is definitely um, yeah, a staple all around the world and most political mm-hmm. arenas have it. So, yeah, I, I just thought it was a really interesting thought to go past. But mm-hmm. just moving base a little bit, um, mm-hmm. just to start with, with your Deakin campaign so far, how, how is that travelling?
1: Well, it's a, it's a seat that's currently held by a margin of about 4.7% by Michael Sugar from the Liberal Party. Yeah. He's been the member for the last nine years. Uh, and the Greens in the eastern suburbs have tend to be uh, not as strong as going closely into the city, but it's changing demographics in, in the seat of Deakin, and we're finding um, people of different age groups from... Young people leaving school, going to uni, suddenly putting their hand up, thinking we want to be part of a party that supports young people in a whole range of ways, and um, the response has been pretty amazing. I, like I said, this is my eighth time of running for Greens uh, office or office for the Greens, and uh, I, I've yet to find anybody who's been critical or making, you know, being hostile. Uh, generally, expect a few, a bit of that. But there seems to be a change in attitude, whether it's to do with the recognition that what the Greens have been banging on about for 30 years about climate change and we can't keep living the way we've been living. Uh, maybe maybe that's what's going on. I'd like to think that. Uh, but in terms of the campaign, it's it's really wonderful to work with a group of people who are you know committed to the same thing and prepared to actually put their hand up and go out and let a box and stand at a community market and um, converse with people. Part of the problem I think we have with politics in Australia is that many of the people who are in Parliament, they don't really like to engage with people in everyday situations. Leave aside all the photo shoots, right? They almost make make me want to throw up. You know, they're so, so corny and artificial, Right. Who cares, you know, whether Scott Morris can do this or do that or Albanese or anybody else, right? And I think when you begin to make contact with people and speak to people where, where they're at in terms of their own lifestyle, that's where I think you, you kind of build a connection and people see what the Greens are saying. Thumbs up, you know. I can't think of a single policy. The Greens have got policies. I counted them some time ago. 42 over 42 areas. I don't think any political party in Australia has ever gone that far down the track. Right? And they're not just like catchphrases, catch you'll find they have principles, aims, and then the policies and how they go about funding them. So to me, uh, I think the Greens have just got what it takes to be, be the government, actually. <laughs> but other people voted for us. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I guess, yeah.
0: Um... I don't want to diminish your dreams or anything, but I guess <laughs> in the reality of things, um, the I guess the Greens most, what they probably want the most is to have a balance of power with the Labour yeah, Party. Correct. Um, and yep. bearing that in mind, um, I think, especially from a progressive standpoint, I mm-hmm. um, I think some people have been disillusioned with the Labor Party recently, mm. um, and especially young people in itself. I, I know for a fact, like there hasn't been a lot of mention about things like climate change and cost of living, um, yeah. and like the debates or the campaigning so far by the major parties. So, bearing that in mind, um, if the Greens were to be in power, mm. how how much do you kind of trust the Labor Party to? Kinds of you know ensure these these important issues are kind of in lines with the progressive stances that the Greens undertake.
1: Well, I think I preface what I, my response to that is uh, by pointing out, and you're probably aware of this, but people listening may not be. The Greens currently have nine senators in in the in the Senate, right? Yeah. Um, and the opinion polling would suggest we're probably going to get three more, so they will bring it up to twelve. And then there's the outside chance they might knock off the Liberal Senator from Canberra in the ACT. Now, let's say three, right? So that's 12. 12 out of 76, Labour will never have a majority in the in the Senate. I don't think it ever has. And if there are 12 Green senators and Labour has whatever the balance is to make up 37 to have a majority, Labour can pass any legislation if the Greens come on board with them. So to me, to my way of thinking, if that's what transpires then the Greens will be in a good position to negotiate um, stronger climate action and other issues. Now, it's up to the Labour Party whether they come to the party or not, but politics is politics. They'll have to realise if the Greens say no, they're not going to get it through probably, especially if the Liberals and the other parties represented in the Senate um, say no. So it it does give leverage. And while sometimes people think the Greens are just banging on about being in the balance of power, That's that's the potential reality. And the other thing is, uh, if the Greens manage to elect one more to the House of Representatives, uh, under the rules of the Parliament, the Greens will be able to introduce a bill, you know, actually bring in, you know, present it to the House, right? Currently, that can't happen because there's only one. You've got to have someone to move it and someone to second it. That's the way it works, as I understand. Mm -hmm. So that's why the Greens have been targeting some of the inner city seats, particularly in Melbourne, but Brisbane is probably where most likely it's going to happen. The three seats, Griffith, Ryan, and Brisbane, where the Greens are neck and neck with Labor, coming second. And if they get, up, get ahead of Labor, um, the preferences from Labor will give them a seat the one, two or three seats. Yeah. So it's a real, a real possibility. That's something the Greens have been working for for at least the last two elections, I think. This might be the year. Yeah, definitely. Um, mm-hmm.
0: Even friends of the show, Sonia Simmons, who we had on a couple of weeks ago, is mm-hmm. in with a slight chance at
1: Higgins as well, maybe for some preference oh, yeah. away I think as well. The, I think, the, I think um, the Adam Band listed about nine seats around the country. Richmond, in around, uh, not Lismore, around Byron Bay, which is my hometown, by the way. Mm-hmm. Didn't tell you that. Uh, <laughs> before the hippies arrived. <laughs> I, <laughs> I remember going home. Uh, after that began to happen. I was walking down the main street of Byron Bay one night and I saw this very interesting uh, scent in the air. My cousin, he said, he said, you smell the joints being, being, being smoked in the, in, the, in the restaurant just there? No. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, so, I- <laughs> so, yes, I think Rich- Richmond is another possibility um, and it, it might be worth trying to get an interview. Oh, it probably won't because she's in New South Wales. Mandy Nolan, she's a stand-up comedian, and she's lived in lived in Byron Bay or the Byron Shire for thirty years, and she'll be a, a green side, like a Jackie Lambie actually. She's very in your face, but really a you know, quite great sense of humour, and um, I think she would be a great addition to the Teals. It would liven up the Teals quite a bit. I think to have someone like Mandy Nolan in. Um, yeah. As well. Mm.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think you know the Teals and the independent, uh, like. Essential mm. to, to our democracy, I think. Um, you know, I'm sure the Greens can elaborate on you know how much the two party system probably doesn't work for a lot of people, and yeah, you know, the increase like in places like Kuyong as well. Um, mm. stuff that,
1: Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. I think there'll be a few and Liberal MPs looking for a new job. And, uh, <laughs> under a Labor government, they won't get plus jobs being ambassadors to the United Kingdom, like somebody <laughs> did some years ago, and the United yeah. States for that matter. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, But just, I guess, touching on more on policy things
0: in itself, um, the Greens have one of the big things, especially being, you know, in an electorate of Deakin where it's like Mm. Deakin University and (laughs) all these um, student debt and, you know, I guess the privatisation of education in itself. Um, How do the Greens financially accommodate the removal of student debt?
1: Well, it's, it's part of the bigger picture of providing free education from preschool through union TAFE. And the Greens, they were, they were instrumental in 2012 with the Gillard Labor Government in setting up the Parliamentary Budget Office, which has a task. It's autonomous from everywhere, every political thing um, to cost policies that are put forward by parties that have representation in the federal parliament. Um, The Greens have costed policies that would basically bring about the possibility of free education, and that, of course, would include a rebuilding of public support for universities. One of the criminal things, and I use that quite deliberately, that has gone on, I'd say, for 30 years, and under both Labor Labor and the Coalition, they've pushed the universities down the path of privatisation, and that, I think, has hindered, hindered... Good education, I think it's hindered Australia in terms of its capacity to research and develop new technologies and all manner of things. So um, the idea that the free free market uh, should determine what happens, that's a no brainer it's it's madness. I mean, we're we're paying the penalty for it. Uh, Look at our aged care system, for example, right? Privatisation has been a disaster. Coming back to you, sorry, I'm wandering off the topic there. the Greens uh, believe that two things, two main things, that we have an unfair tax system. Nearly all the big corporations have capacity and they do. They avoid getting paying their fair share of tax. So that'd be the first thing. And on top of that, um, because of the huge donations coming in from fossil fuel companies to, the, to Labor and the Liberals, they're, they're obliged to, to be nice to the big corporations. And that's expressed itself in the uh, the fossil fuel um, uh, the levies uh, oh, sorry the um what do you call it? the subsidies subsidies to fossil fuel companies. I think the figure I read the other day annually it's now 11.2 billion dollars. Now, Green would say we should if we if we are serious about ending um, fossil fuel usage, we need to get rid of those subsidies. That 11 billion plus could go towards things like free education, um, better Medicare system, bring in dental care and mental health, uh, and abolish student debt. Um, to me, it's madness punishing people at the stage of their life by, by a whole host of debt. You want pe- you want people to be fired up to get out there and do what they, they've been trained to do and want to do, make a contribution to the well-being of the Australian people. It's a top rocket science. Yeah,
0: definitely. Yeah. It's, it's, um, especially as a university student, I'll take student free debt in a heartbeat. Um, but yeah, that being said, um, we'll like digressing just quickly, mm -hmm. um, because I know you could talk about this and I know any Greens member could talk about this for a while, but just climate change, um, obviously it's a staple of the Greens party, um, just on a small scale, just to not you know make this too broad of a question on a small scale of things what are just some simple things that could be implemented in a new government um to combat climate change
1: well obviously ending any new coal oil and gas developments and you may have seen in the media that the labor party joined with the coalition they've given uh the the thumbs up for 126 new fossil fuel projects around the country i thought where could there be 126? But that's what they're saying, right? That'll be obviously you say no to all that, right? Um, I mean, what how can you possibly tackle climate change if you allow more fossil fuel production, right? And that's at the government level. And one of the other things that, in fact, I was looking at uh, in preparation for this afternoon, I was looking up the policies the Greens have got on climate change, and it covers things like um, the building of uh, superfast trains between. In Melbourne, Sydney, and Brisbane, reduce the need for people to fly in, the air, in aircraft or drive, right? Um, to uh, make it easier to purchase electric electric vehicles, EVs. Uh, talk of a subsidy uh, to reduce the prices down by, by $15,000 and to provide cheap finance for people to transition um, away from uh, fossil fuel usage in, in transport and electrifying public transport, more public transport, uh, those sorts of things would not be hard hard to actually implement, especially when I think nearly all the states, even, even the Liberal government of New South Wales, they're far ahead of their federal counterparts. They realise what needs to happen. So I think one, if you have a Labor government uh, encouraged by the Greens, hopefully, to do those sorts of things, and we're, we're well on the road to doing what we have to do. Yeah, and and just on um, touching on the electric
0: vehicles in itself that mm. you mentioned, um, Scott Morrison during his you know his tenure, he kind of mentioned a little bit about you know increasing the charging ports, but not really disincentivizing or incentivizing electric vehicles to be bought. Yeah. And Anthony Albanese just the other day um, announced a few more incentives in terms of more charging ports. But um, I'm I'm interested to hear what the Greens. You mentioned the subsidising of yeah. electric vehicles. Yeah. Um, could, could you just quickly go into detail a little bit about that? Is that to bring it down
1: to say uh, affordable pricing, or is it? Well, I, well, I think the answer will be yes. They're talking about the policy says to reduce the cost by fifteen thousand dollars. Well, if it's if it's fifty thousand, it brings it down to thirty five thousand. If it's forty, it's down to twenty five thousand. I mean, that's a far more compar- comparatively... A similar amount to what you'd pay for a um, a fossil, a petrol-driven or a diesel-driven vehicle, I imagine. Depends what you want to buy. I mean, you can buy very small vehicles for a lot less. Presumably, that would then mean even even more even more cheaper production, um, cheaper sale price rather. And the other thing, yeah, and I don't think it's actually in the Greens' policy, but it's consistent, I believe. I mean it's sheer madness that when the motor vehicle industry basically was wound up here, that would have been the the, the opportune time to move over to producing electric vehicles. At the moment well, we we're importing them all from overseas. That's crazy. That's crazy. I mean they're they far more simple to produce. And uh, it's just like um the Liberal Party particularly, or and nationals even more so. That they don't seem to be able to even acknowledge the fact that an electric vehicle uh, is a far better option. Um, I've, I've been in one once many years ago when an experimental guy was made one up at the back blocks of Castle Main, right? <laughs> and uh, it was like, wow, we're driving around and so quiet, right? Mm-hmm. You can actually hear yourself talk, and it was like, yeah, unbelievably pleasant. I'm thinking, wow, why wouldn't you want to have one of these? <laughs>
0: Yeah, definitely. I, honestly, I, I can't wait to, um, yeah, like especially making it in Australia would be, I guess, a key obstacle that they'd have to overcome. Um, but yeah, it's definitely something that I could look forward to in the future. But apart from that, Robert, it's been a pleasure to have you on. I won't take up any more of your time because you've been very generous today. But we all wish on. you all the best with thank your you. campaign um, in the Deacon electorate, and
1: yeah, all, all the best in the future. Okay. Thank you, George. And thank you, thank you for what you're doing. It's great what you're doing. Great. Thank you. Okay.